When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Caller has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Street! Red, red, red! Red Polly! Blue Poncho! In rapid fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 Dragon Smoke. It's Hot Rods on Purple Daily. 5880-397! Oh, yes, it is that time in our lives again. We do it every day around 3 o'clock, sometimes other times. It is Hot Routes, and today in for Hot Routes, our players... Our one players. Judd Zolgad. Yes. We're players. Every contestant. Phil Mackey. Contestants, dude. I love how every, every time, like, this is my second time on Hot Routes, and I love how there's a new evolution, like, now we're now we're players. Well, there's different great. people in every time, other than me, and I operate the conversation, so you're, you're our contestants, our players. Our, no one ever X's wins. The O's. We all lose every time. Um, all right, so it's a, this is an exciting addition, though, Phil Mackey. Today is my birthday. And I said before we went to break that I'm Gary Brown years old. Does anyone remember you guys either? Gary no? Brown? No. Gary Brown. No. Okay. He ran for a thousand yards twice. He played for the Oilers, the Giants. Oh, okay. He's a fat guy. Eighties? Uh nineties. Gary Brown. Yeah, Gary Brown. But he wasn't Tech Mobile, so he no. must have he must have been mid nineties. No, yeah, he was like bad Oilers. Okay. After they kind of had their run. Was he like uh like punching each other on the sidelines on Monday Night Football Oilers? No, Gilbride a little and, later. And, and Buddy? Yeah, okay. A little later. More like when the wheels came off, sort of. And they drafted Steve McNair, but they were still playing someone else at quarterback. Yeah. Just thought, yeah it's, anyway, it doesn't matter. But that was the first guy. When I go to Culver's, you know how they give you the number? Every time, it's like, what, what if football player comes to mind is just quick. Like, I got 86. I was like, Fred Barnett. Jake Reed. Yeah, just Fred Barnett. Fred Barnett, he's great. Fred Barnett, great Tecmo Super Bowl player. All right, so Eagles. it is my birthday, and our first well, happy hot, birthday, Matthew Collar. Appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I want you guys to form a lineup of famous people that were born on your birthday. So I want a quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and another wide receiver. So you get the the, the two mm-hmm. wides here okay. of famous people that were born on your birthday. So I'll give you guys mine first. And then you guys can tell me your lineups. Sure, yeah. And if anyone wants to play along at home or on Twitter, just search the date and famous people's birthdays. It's very easy. My quarterback is Ross Perot. Wow. Yeah. Because he's able to draw up plays and charts and stuff, right? He's good on the whiteboard. 
There's so many things that are hilarious from the 90s that people like don't know about, like Danny, who are younger. And this is how older people who grew up in the 80s must feel about people who grew up in the 90s. But Ross Perot's specials on TVs where he had amazing. all the charts and stuff. So funny. My dad used to watch those <laughs> things for two hours. Like, I'd be a kid. Yeah, and I'd go, it was on my I'd, TV. I'd be at his place for dinner or whatever, and like, Dad, what are we watching? Shh, it's, Ro- it's Ross Perot. Ross, but you know explain what? the economy via chart. You you looked at Perot, and you knew in your heart of hearts there was no way a yeah. guy like that could ever be president of this country, because yeah, that just what? can't happen. If he would have been able to play a musical instrument on national TV, if he could have <laughs> sat there with like a trombone next to Bill Clinton's Our Sacramento. Arsenio Hall show, man. That's <laughs> I, where it was at. I retroactively would have voted for Ross Perot. Not, uh, not young enough, but just the fact that we're birthday bros. I don't remember anything about his economic policies. He's my quarterback, okay. though. Helen Keller is my running back. I'm not going to make any jokes. Okay. She's got better vision than Adrian Peterson. Wow. Ah! Oh, there it is. Wow, there it is. We're birthday right bros. I can say that about uh, Helen Keller. Right, there the it is. Lines. Uh, can you say that she has better pocket presence than Kirk Cousins? Oh, oh my oh, God. No. That's oh, terrible. No. Better hands than Troy Williams. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Jonathan, you see how I am abstaining from any oh, laughter no. and or participation? <laughs> Helen Keller, I, in all seriousness, this is this is my ticket though, because I don't have a great lineup. And she no, is, you don't. she is amazing. Like if you ever read about Helen Keller instead of just make jokes about her being blind. Anyway, so wide receiver is tough because I have Mr. Marlin, Jeff Conine. But I preferred to go celebrity power and put Chloe Kardashian. Wow. So did receiver. you leave Conine out? So Conine's out. Mr. Marlin's out. And Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, he is on the other oh, wide receiver. This is a really no, not no. Spider-Man, bad Spider-Man. You gotta emphasize that. I it's don't bad Spider-Man. Who is good Spider-Man? Uh, the current one. It doesn't matter. The guy was Spider-Man, and he's born on my the birthday. Current one. So Thanks, I can't Jared. remember his name right now. <laughs> I'll remember it in a great, second. Great, great take, John. Tobey Maguire. Tobey Maguire was just guy. fine. I like no, Tobey Maguire. He, he was fine. Um, that's a pretty decent so list of celebrities. That's my lineup. All right, Ross Perot is your quarterback. So I gotta tell you guys. I had a really tough decision to make here because you, you're going with the football lineup. It's yeah. quarterback, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver. And Enos Cantor is a birthday bro of mine, oh. but he's a basketball player. So mm-hmm. I don't trust him in a football lineup. So he's, end, he's not, I don't know, but there's no, it's, I'm leaving him out. No tight end allowed here too. I went with the most famous person to be my quarterback, not necessarily the person who would be best at quarterback. So Cher is my quarterback. That's mm-hmm. some celebrity the most famous. There. Uh, person on my list. Uh, Buster Rhymes, I feel like could be... Uh, Buster Rhymes, if wow. you've seen pictures recently, he's definitely more of a fullback than a running back. Now, you're aware that there was a player named Buster Rhymes. Yeah, he was a Viking. Correct. Right. Absolutely, so, I remember but this him. is the rapper. So, Buster Rhymes and his... What looks to be pushing three bills frame now, he's going to be my short yardage running back. Goal line he's your Leroy Horde, yeah. That's correct. Uh, my wide receivers, I'm going out of the country for my wide receivers here, okay? Okay. Not quite, uh, who is that one dude from Germany that the Vikings put Moritz Boehringer. It's not quite Moritz Boehringer. <laughs> well, that's good. My wide receiver number one is the all-time professional baseball home run leader, Sadaharu Oh. Oh, okay. Who yeah. had 868 career home runs in Japan from... I believe it was the late 1950s he started. In 1980, as like a 40-some-year-old, was still hitting 30 yeah, pounds the in Japan. Yeah. And then my other wide receiver, a quick Google search tells me he was the leader of the French Revolution. <laughs> Toussaint, is it pronounced L'Overture? Couldn't you just find an actor for this I'm one? Obviously. Obviously. Couldn't you just find another actor for this one? He's also the oldest guy on my roster who was born in the mid-1700s. Yeah, I found he probably a guy has like wooden teeth. I mean, I'm not sure. If well, you... Not anymore, he doesn't. They're all rotted <laughs> out. <laughs> 
If you lead a revolution, I think he's got to be on your list. And maybe he should be the quarterback. He's clearly the leader. He's got the leadership capabilities. So there it is. All right, Judd, your lineup. All right. I birthday actually bros. am staying in my birthday bros. I'm staying in the athletic world for my quarterback because I found out and I did not. I had forgotten this or did not know this. I don't know which one. Meta World Peace is my quarterback. <laughs> Ron Artest is my quarterback. Wow. Complete wild card. But if he's great, good. Wow. Great R&B singer. But if he's good, he's going to be fantastic. Wow. Who remembers him saying he's going to quit basketball to like do R&B? Did he wind up actually doing? I think he missed some time. Was this before okay. or after the Malice in the Palace? That was before. Okay. So he had already built a bit of a So reputation. he was Ron Artest at that time. Okay. So you got a bad boy as your uh, quarterback. That's my quarterback. That. Exactly. Running back, Jimmy Kimmel. Nice. <laughs> Shifty, funny, cracks the locker room up. Good in the clubhouse, Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> Wide receivers. Wide receiver one, Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> Another funny person. Probably at one time had good speed, not now. <laughs> but then my second guy I know has good good speed. Another actor, Steve Zahn, little guy, but he can catch yeah. the ball. Would you guys just back to the Jimmy Kimmel thing for a second? Jimmy Kimmel's older than you. Did you know that? Yeah, he's fifty one. I think fifty one oh. years old. Yep, he looks great. I'm for close 51. though. Yeah, he looks he looks better fifty one than I look at forty nine. But he could afford it. <laughs> you could go with Jimmy Kimmel looks great or. You don't look as good as Jimmy Kimmel. That's right. But keep in mind, he is rich. That was, the, that was the point. He is rich and I'm not. So I don't feel bad. That is true. Because he has more assets than I do to make himself continue well, to look mi- good. Yeah, mixes, in a, uh, mixes in a bottle of water once in a while. Jonathan, a lot of salads. He actually lost a lot a lot of yeah, weight. Because on yeah. the Fox show, when, when he was the funny guy on the Fox pregame show, he was chubby. And then he lost all that weight. And, well, he looks like he has no fun now. <laughs> Birthday bros, Jonathan? Uh, my quarterback, I went with pipes here, Brad Nessler. Oh, okay. Oh, quarterback. Yes. Minnesota guy. Yeah, Minnesota guy. Southern Minnesota, yeah. Love Running back, I went with one of the all-time great rugby players, according to the internet, Colin Meads, New Zealand guy, captain for one of the best rugby teams. Probably would be the best running back, yeah. I'll especially go compared to Helen Keller. Yeah, your team would beat our teams in an actual game of football, because you have that guy. Just wait for my wide receivers here. Wide receiver one, Rafael Nadal. Oh, wow. Wow. And then uh, athletes. my six foot ten wide receiver is going to be Al Horford. Okay. You have a lot of good athletes. I found no good athletes. That's why I had Khloe Kardashian on the team. <laughs> I have more fun, though. I have, yoga. My clubhouse is more fun than any of yours, and that's all I care about. Um, who uh, Am I the richest with a Kardashian, or does Cher have more money than Khloe Kardashian? It can't oh. be, right? The Kardashians are the, like, the richest people. Well, one of the Kardashians is worth a billion dollars. Okay, one so, of the yeah, Jenners. I'm the richest. And she said it's uh, how difficult it is being a self-made that's billionaire, tough, too. Yeah. Really is difficult. Self-made, indeed. Any guesses as to what Cher's net worth is here? Uh, I'll Google go three hundred and eighty million. Can I go six, six hundred? Judd, I'll, I'll go. Expensive. I'll go eight hundred. Eight hundred million. Wow. Uh, it's only, it's wow. only only three hundred twenty million dollars. So Matthew is oh, the closest. All right, all right. I win nothing. What's Streisand's uh, though? Streisand. I bet she's eight hundred million. Next, next hot route. Look, he's gonna look it up. No now. singer is gonna be worth eight hundred million. Oh, you don't know Stryce. Stryce no worth four hundred million dollars. Yeah, I'm closer. Half of what you said. All right. Uh, Darren Sproles, guys, says that he wants to play in 2019. A, like, can you believe Darren Sproles is still around? He's 36. So I want you to give me your favorite player that was around late into their 30s and was still actually super good. So uh, mine, sad. mine, I think, is a current player still. My first ever fantasy football team was back. It was my first year in college. I played fantasy football for the first time with friends. And I remember who my tight end was, or 04, 05, somewhere in there. Benjamin Watson was my first ever fantasy ah, football tight around, end. Yep. 
and he's 38 years old and still I think I saw a story a few weeks ago that he's going to he was going to retire but now he might come back Patriots and play Patriots. so that dude is still putting up 400 yards a season and he's almost 40 years old and uh he's still representing the first ever fantasy football team of Phil Mackey so I'm guessing that the majority of people right now are shouting at their devices on which they're listening to us. Well, it's Brett Favre, right? Brett Favre. It has to be Brett Favre. I mean, look at Brett Favre in 2009. But Brett Favre is no fun. And because I'm old, I'm going to give you the best answer I could find. Yeah, he's no fun because he shatters your dreams as a fan. Oh, there we go. There's my pick. George Blanda, <laughs> who retired in 1976 at the age of 48, who played in four different decades, and who played in his last game against the Steelers in Three River Stadium on January 4th, 1976, age 48, the AFC Championship game, and kicked in that game a 41-yard field goal and made one extra point in the Raiders' loss to the Steelers. And a guy who had played quarterback before that. George Bland George is the Blanda. greatest dancer. Wow. I'm going to show you guys a picture of George Bland in one of his last years. It's glorious. You said he's only 48. He was 48. He looks like he's 90 in this photo. <laughs> and and you know what? He's about my age and oh, looks far worse goodness. at that age. So see, you got Jimmy Kimmel who looks better than me and is older, but George Blanda at that age looks worse Man. than me, and he was younger. People lived hard in the 60s oh. and 70s. I was going to say, that's the like NFL film's voice going, his face was weather-beaten. <laughs> well, there's a reason why, because he spent a lot of time in bars, but you know what? He had fun. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan? Well, since Judge just completely tore mine down, it would be Brett Favre, because he gave me one of the most fun seasons as a Vikings fan. Which one? Was it 09 or 2010? Depending on your point of view. 2010 was great. It was fantastic. No, it was 09. It was fun to be, to watch that as a fan. Okay. I am going to go kind of random here, but on brand with a journeyman quarterback. <laughs> he played until age 44 when he was the backup quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons in 1998. Can I guess? This guy went to a Super Bowl. Do you know who this is? Oh, Super Bowl. No, I don't then. Well, he, I mean, he wasn't the starter, but he was the backup for Chris Chandler in 98. Well, hold on. Is it, give, give us how much, Give us another team he played for. So wait. So. Oh, there were many. There were San Francisco, Denver, Steve Tampa DeBerg. Bay. Yes. Steve DeBerg. Steve yeah, DeBerg. I love Steve DeBerg. Here's why I love Steve DeBerg. He Who also looks terrible. Was, Google him. He was <laughs> awful for his entire career. Never won a thing. And then in 1990 and 1991, he gets hooked up with the great Kansas City teams yep. and wins 21 games over two seasons at age 36 and 37. Steve DeBerg, awesome old guy. <laughs> I'm looking at a picture. He does. Steve DeBerg does not look as bad no, as George well, Blanda. Well, you can't look Nobody as bad as George Blanda. George Blanda was Although, the crypt keeper. I'm going to Google Sonny <laughs> Jurgensen here. I want to say Sonny Jurgensen. Sonny Jurgensen looked absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. But think about it. If you're a quarterback. Hold on a second. Anytime before like the Peyton Manning era, you just got your brains beaten in. All the time. Practice. You probably, They probably didn't even... I'm sure in the 70s, those guys were getting hit in practice all the time, too. So. I, I've got to give you this Steve DeBerg stat. From 1978 to 1989, he got several opportunities to be a starting quarterback. He started 101 games and won 30 of them. He went 30, 70, and 1. Last year, as a starter, before going to Kansas City and having double-digit wins, as a Charger, <laughs> Johnny Unitas. Unitas. Look at Johnny oh Unitas goodness. as a Charger in that last okay, year. See, this if, was if played good, not Johnny Unitas. No, I just love the not, picture, though. Not speaking uh, of pe- people that look like they might have had a few too many drinks and taken a few too many hits. <laughs> so, Johnny, you homework for listeners, since this is uh, you're probably not googling these as you go along, but you should Google <laughs> Google George Blanda. 
in his last season and Johnny United in his last season. smoking on the sideline. <laughs> Len Dawson, um, smoking halftime. Next hot route here, fellas, uh, New England Patriots Kyle Van Noy says that he gives culture all the credit for the Patriots having such incredible success over the last two decades. Which, Of course, it's um, Tom Brady would be the answer to that. Uh, anyway, what I want you guys to give me, aside from the Patriots, who has the best culture in the NFL? What franchises do you think have the best culture? And you asked for three, correct? Yeah. Top give, three give, teams. Give me your top three so, culture teams. It was for a long, long time Pittsburgh as well. Yeah. Pittsburgh had a great culture, and that, that sort of fell apart, obviously, last year and probably started to, if uh, if not in 2018, then 2017. So I'm going to give you three franchises, and these might not be exactly right, but I think they currently have good cultures. Baltimore, Green. I think currently yeah. does. Seattle, which has problems at times, but I think culture-wise, as a franchise and organization, is really solid. And then I'm going to surprise you guys with my third one. I'm going to say the Vikings. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think the Vikings yep. are... Now, the Vikings have faults and the Vikings have failed, but I think the culture established by, by the Wilfs, the stadium, the practice facility, if you look at in terms of if I'm on the market and I'm talking to the Vikings and I go to them and talk to them and sit down, stability is pretty good. The Vikings. So I go Baltimore, Seattle, the Vikings. Uh, I love B- Baltimore. I believe. I believe John Harbaugh is one of the three or four longest tenured coaches. And so, in an era and a league where everyone just gets fired after a bad season, there are some teams that and 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 Baltimore has been patient. You know, Baltimore isn't winning the Super Bowl every year. So I. Baltimore is an honorable mention for me. I have the Vikings also on my list. I didn't put them in order, so I just have a top three in any order. Vikings are in my three. New Orleans is in my three. Another long-tenured head coach. They've got an offensive system that's worked for 10-plus years. And they've got, I mean, helps to have Drew Brees. But I think what's going to happen is Drew Brees is going to retire, and Teddy Bridgewater is going to slide in, and that's still going to be a 10-win team on an annual basis. Uh, And then I was going to put the Los Angeles Rams in here, but I want them to prove it for one more year. I just Mm -hmm. need, like... One more year before I put you on this list. So the Eagles are my third team. So for me, Eagles, Vikings, and Saints in my three culture team. Not counting the Patriots. Yeah, I kind of agree with both of you guys there. Ravens, for me, just because John Harbaugh's been there so long, you don't really hear anything negative coming out of that locker room. And then I put the Vikings and then the Eagles because those are just, it seems like those are very stable franchises right now. The Vikings getting players to come back for less money is something that can't be overlooked. Yeah, It just almost never happens. And I don't blame any player who goes out and says, I want exactly the most millions and I don't care where I play. They're all the same to me. It's just laundry. But for Anthony Barr to come back, for Daniil Hunter to sign early, for Stefan Diggs to sign early, for Adam Thielen to sign a contract extension, I mean, all these things, it's kind of amazing. And the fact that they're willing to spend out the amount of cash from ownership, the practice facility you mentioned wows people when they come here. And uh, even though there have been times where the locker room is not perfect, I think as far as organizational structure and culture, yeah, the, the Vikings belong in the top three conversation. There were probably a few teams that I struggled with here, whether they deserve to be in or out. But Los Angeles was one of them. I think Sean McVay is not just a schematic genius. There have been many of those in the days of football. But 
to also give power to his players and seem to understand how to get them all pulling in the same direction is really, really impressive. So it, it always starts with the head coach for me, and Sean McVay is definitely there. Now, the where I went back and forth a little bit was Philadelphia was a team that I thought of for sure. But, you know, a team that doesn't get a ton of credit for this is the Atlanta Falcons. That post-Michael Vick, which was, I mean, just a bombshell for their organization, Matt Ryan getting him in there, going to a Super Bowl, people stay to to play there. They have a new stadium. Arthur Blank seems like a really good owner. So I, I think that the sneaky team is probably the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. Uh, there's also, like, if, if there was a list of worst cultures but somehow still overcome it on a regular basis, the Kansas City Chiefs would be oh, on that yeah, list. for sure. For uh, sure. But, and, you know, a, a name that this wouldn't be top three, but the Houston Texans are almost always nine or ten wins with no quarterback. Yeah. Now they have Deshaun Watson now. But um, they, they they came to mind for me, too. Their jerseys are way too bad for me to have them in a <laughs> <of> the Texans. <laughs> exactly. All I don't right, disagree uh, with that. Next hot route here. LaShawn McCoy said that uh, Josh Allen looks better than he did last year. Now, normally you'd say, like, well, what's he going to say? Well, you guys didn't cover LaShawn McCoy. He might say anything, ever. I mean, he just came out one day and said, Chip Kelly's a racist. I don't know if you guys know that. We're like, excuse me? Uh, So he's a different kind of dude when it comes to being honest. So if he says someone looks better than last year, I would tend to believe him. Tell me who from the 2018 class you expect to be a lot better. Who would you bet on? from the 2018 draft class in the NFL to be a lot better. So the name I'm going to, this is a name that you might hear and say, well, he was already pretty damn good last year, Baker Mayfield. So Baker Mayfield threw 27 touchdown passes, and this is in 13 games started, by the way, almost 4,000 yards, had a passer rating of 93.7, QBR over 55, like for a rookie quarterback on a team that, not exactly honed yet the Cleveland Browns. Everyone's on the Cleveland Browns bandwagon, but when he took over, they weren't a honed franchise. And now he has maybe, I would still put Thielen and Diggs as number one on my wide receiver uh, duo list, but I get Jarvis Landry and OBJ in another <laughs> year and maybe maybe Good better coaching. Job, yeah. So I'm going to say Baker Mayfield builds off what he did last year and becomes maybe a top 12-ish quarterback in the NFL. I dug deep here. I went real deep. I went to the 21st pick of the 2018 National Football League draft. Wow. That is that is diving deep. You're kind of in the same lane. And I went I meat thinking, and though. potatoes, offensive line. And I looked at a position where, where your first year can be very difficult because there's a lot of assignment responsibilities here. You could struggle. But then between your first year and your second year, you grow as a player. You grow as a person. You become smarter. And I picked Billy Price. So Center for the Frank Cincinnati right Bengals. I actually think Ragnar for his struggles was pretty good. Billy Price was a bust, yeah. And I and I'm not convinced that it's wise to give up on a a lineman who's a bust his first year, especially with the Bengals. So I'm going with Billy Price as he starts to turn it around and becomes a functioning, much better player in 2019. Phil took mine in Baker Mayfield. I think that guy's with a better offense around him is going to be outstanding. So my backup. Was a bit of a troll move here in Daniel Carlson. He has another year in Oakland. <laughs> I like a coach it. who believes in him. I like it. An organization that believes in him. Daniel Carlson. Carlson that's, will do better. That's a great. That's a great pick. That's <laughs> You're a, great a piece pick. of work. I like that. That is, that is a good pick. <laughs> that is a yes. So since uh, you went with an offensive lineman, I was going to go maybe Frank Gregg now myself, but it's a bad situation still. It just couldn't be worse though. I'll go Josh Rosen. He's going to get his chance. And even if he's not unbelievable, 
even if he plays pretty well, I don't know what you're talking about. He fire. was great here. He looked great against the Vikings. <laughs> Leaping over people? They, I was going to say, they were running the worst offense I think I've ever seen. It, was, <laughs> it wasn't just that they didn't have talent. It was, what is this offense running right into Linval Joseph with David Johnson over and over again? So I, I'm going to say that Josh Rosen makes a significant improvement in year two and at least shows the Dolphins that they should consider him for franchise quarterback. I'm not saying he lights the world on fire. That team is trash. But that he shows yeah. the talent that made him a first-round pick. All right, our final hot route for the day. Former Jacksonville Jaguars and Oakland Raiders. You're not doing the calls. It's disappointing. I mean, I guess I should Don't have you agree, Phil? some sort of... Maybe I should have done my calls for would-be birthday bros. Like, Toby McGuire, 33! Yeah. You like that! <laughs> you like that! <laughs> Thanks, Ray. Conine, 44! <laughs> All right, I'll try to continue. I I am not kidding that I hurt my voice one day screaming out hot rounds. It's like you're gun shy. A little, little hesitant. Although, yet when we had Rami in the other day, I did Hesop Choi was one of my... Hesop uh, Choi. <laughs> well, supposed to be the next great a, Cubs first Cubs. baseman, right? Yeah. All right, so our final hot route here. Former <laughs> Jaguars coach Jack Del Rio said at the time the Jaguars picked Blaine Gabbard, an all-time bust, he wasn't told that they were going to take him. I don't know how this even came up, but Jack Del Rio said this. So give me the quarterback bust that you guys, when the person was drafted, thought this guy is going to be great. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've got two of them. They might as well be handcuffed together. They, uh, they were back-to-back eras of my favorite college football team, which is Notre Dame. I was drinking the oh, Jimmy Clausen and Brady boy. Quinn Kool-Aid oh. for many, many years. Wow. I watched Brady Quinn in 2005. Take take Notre Dame to, what, 11 wins? They were flirting with a national championship. They lost the Bush-Push game in November, but I thought, this is the dude right here. Charlie Weiss has come in, and he has put Notre Dame back on the map, and this is the next Joe Montana. Notre Dame to glory in the NFL. He was a disaster. And Jimmy Clausen, I'm pretty sure he was a second-round draft pick by the Panthers, and the next year they were like, well, they were terrible, and then the next year they were like, all right, we're just going to get Cam Newton here, and uh, we'll be good. Jimmy, go back to making pickles. With your Clausen family. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah. Uh, dra- 1999 draft, which saw a ton of quarterbacks taken the first round, including Dante Culpepper by the Vikings, though. But at the very top of that draft, where the then-expansion Cleveland Browns started mm. with Tim Couch, who I thought, that's a pretty good pick. He's going to be a good quarterback. I wonder if dudes like Tim Couch and Brady Quinn, maybe they were just destined to be garbage, but if you put them with... Better systems, better coaches, and they sit for a year. Would they be different? Tim Couch showed enough talent. Brady Quinn never really did. but He was dinking dunking. Tim Couch had some time. You know, he looked pretty good, but that team was just so bad. The only guy, Phil, that, that I can say unequivocally the answer to your question is no, for sure, for me, is Christian Ponder. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, if you, you could have put him on the Niners with Jerry Rice, he wouldn't have been good. <laughs> he wouldn't. That's the only one that I can pick that I can tell you I know he would be bad. I'm serious. He would have had Jerry Rice and John Taylor, and he never would have gotten to the John Taylor read because he would have run for five yards. I don't don't disagree with it at all, but it's just so sad. That's the one that I can tell you. No, but it's true. It is true. He got all those chances. He just was no good. Yeah. Mine would be Johnny Manziel. You just saw what he did in college. You're like that. That's got to translate, right? He can. He can just lead a team. And then my other one would have been Matt Leiner. You saw what he did in college oh, sure. with yeah. USC for three years as their starting quarterback, over three thousand yards passing every season, under ten interceptions every season. You thought this guy's for sure going to be just an All Pro every year, and just nope. 
Both of those do it for with sure. good wide receivers. Yep, I agree with because I watched the USC teams. You would have too as a Notre Dame fan, Phil. And just like how amazing Matt Liner was, and I didn't know that either one of those guys didn't care at all about right. anything except for partying. But mine is not Johnny Manziel. Uh, it is Jake Locker. I yes. loved Jake Locker's disposition. He was tough. He was kind of gritty. He would take off and run. He was always injured, but he would grind through it. A couple of college games for Washington that were on TV, he led them on comebacks and stuff. It was like, yeah, all right. This guy, you know, they're complaining about his completion percentage, but this guy's a grinder. He can make it. And there were some flashes. In 2013, he went 4-3 and three and had an 86 quarterback rating. He didn't play too bad. The injuries caught up to the guy, and he just quit football at age 26. Yeah, so that's a uh, that's Jake a Locker. that's a good one. Yeah, Jake Locker was uh, destined. I mean, Jake Locker literally went from oh my god, he's the number one overall pick when he's eligible in a couple years to just out yeah. of the league in a five year stretch. It's pretty amazing. And that, that draft was what Newton Locker Ponder Gabbert Gabbert yeah. was Gabbert was before Ponder. Yep. Ponder was the fourth guy. Yes, and then uh, Andy Dalton. In the second in the round. Second round, yeah. And Colin Kaepernick in the second round. Be, turned out to be good or decent. Yeah, there it is. All right. Uh, that is Hot Routes for the day. Thanks for popping in and playing along, Phil. Good times. Uh, Does Phil win time. something since he's a contestant? Nope. Do I get there anything since I'm a zero contestant prizes. birthday boy? Never will be. Um thought the answers were really good. I'm not even... I wouldn't even... I prep for this. See, like, you know how sometimes <laughs> when it's someone's birthday around the office, somebody brings in a cake or whatever. I'm just not a big, like, cake person, though. So I can't even share a cake with you. Or anything. There's a vending machine. We could get you some Chips Ahoy or something. Birthdays are completely boring. They're just boring. That's the most Zolgadian take I've ever heard. We'll take a uh, (laughs) quick quick break. I think we're going out for a nice dinner, but I'm just not like a big cake, stuff your face with sugar person. You going to a little chain restaurant dinner? I actually actually don't know. We like to do a little Applebee's for celebration uh, once in a while. I'm not going to lie. The the, the wife has set something up, but I have not been told where we're going. So it's a little surprise for me. Taco Bell. That's kind of what I was thinking. Please be Taco Bell. Last night, before, because I've mentioned this, but Danny and I are playing at this rec league basketball. So uh, my wife and I went kayaking yesterday in the middle of the day, and the games are at night, obviously. So I'm like, we, we get done, and I look at, my watch or whatever the phone it's like oh man i gotta i gotta go i gotta get to the game so i go to taco bell real quick grab a couple of tacos stuff them in my face and then go play basketball oh, there, oh, there was definitely God. a moment where i was like oh that's a bad uh, idea maybe she's just gone bk yeah. like this is <laughs> love bk would have been the backup that, plan there. that would have been way better for you <laughs> you would have felt so much better all right, we'll take a great, uh, break. We'll come right back. I want to ask Zolgad if he believes in uh, Vikings curses. And also, a great piece on ESPN about play action made me think about this Vikings strategy for 2019. We will return in a moment here on Purple Daily. Let freedom run this Independence Day at the Red, White, and Boom TC Half Marathon Relay and 5K in Minneapolis. On July 4th, enjoy hot dogs, all-American pops, and a free Summit beer. For sign-up information, visit scorenorth.com, keyword, boom. From the 45 on second down, Cousins ahead fake, fires, Thielen has it, inside the 10, he's into the end zone for a Vikings touchdown. 45 yards from Cousins to Thielen, and the Vikings pull to within five, it's now 31-26 Rams. 
All right, we are back here on Purple Daily. And earlier on the show with Danny Cunningham, um, we were talking about the Vikings curse and whether you think it's real. And what got me there was that the Twins and Yankees are now on a collision course to be in the Bronx in October. There's no question about it that it happens. And the only curse breaker can be Madison Bumgardner yelling at Gary Sanchez for hitting a home run. That's the only way this curse can be broken for mm-hmm. the Twins. Yep. Uh, so, of course, the Vikings are one of sports' most cursed teams. Four Super Bowl losses, missed field goals all over the place, random, wild, crazy things happening to them to lose games uh, in the most important situations. Now, solve this one for me, though, Judd, because uh, Danny and I debated this about the curse. The Vikings have two NFC Championship losses that happened in such incredibly awful fashion where they just no-showed completely in games that they should have been better than the other team. I mean, Kerry Collins was the quarterback for the Giants, and maybe they weren't a juggernaut exactly, but they still had Randy Moss, still a top offense. And then, of course, you and I were there in Philadelphia for 38-7. to mm-hmm. I say that both of those are part of the curse because it's so unusual for a team that had Randy Moss and Dante Culpepper to get shut out is so unusual that it's part of the curse. And then in Philly, they score the first touchdown, a tipped interception going back for a touchdown, a backup quarterback who the week before had scored 15 points on offense puts up 38 and throws for 350 on you on the number one defense in the NFL. Yep. I think those are part of it. So I, I think the curse conversation is fun, and I do believe that you can't dismiss the fact that there are certain franchises with histories that are so checkered with um, brutal defeats that if you say, well, the players don't care at all and none of them care, that that's a mistake. The loss to the Giants, though, 41 Donut, I can explain very simply, and it's not part of the curse in my mind, but it starts with this. Randy Moss, and I'm not joking about this, Randy Moss's friends didn't get on the field at Giant Stadium that day, and Randy Moss exploded about that and really got mad. And and with a guy like Moss at that time, it took him off his game. Now, the flip side also is the the Viking secondary was god-awful, and the Giants torched them. And there's always been the feeling that the Giants also were stealing signals from the Vikings. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, So... I see where you're going with that. I don't know that I agree that that is part of the curse. I also think the loss in Philadelphia in the game that we attended in the NFC title game was part and parcel of something that we had talked about all year, which is eventually Case Keaton is going to have to give the Cinderella slipper back. Mm-hmm. And we all and we said this how many times that year? The only question is when. And the head coach, without saying those words exactly, said the same thing, which is if you're playing with a horseshoe up your behind, eventually it's going to catch up to you. Now... 98 and 2009 are just weird. And 2009, that title game, that conference title game plays into the fact, certainly that Brett Favre probably by that point in time, by that tribe, was the worst guy in the world to lead it because you knew he was going to do something potentially dumb. Uh, But as far as the curses go and that discussion, I don't think you can simply dismiss it and say, nobody cares. Players don't care. They weren't there. I do think that it plays on people's minds. But... In the case of the Twins and Yankees potentially playing in the fall in the Bronx, you know what solves that? You just said it. Bumgarner pitching, 
a guy like Nelson Cruz who's not going to give a damn, and that's what that's why I do think that you can go out and get people that really don't care. But if you just say, "Oh, yeah, it's not has nothing to do with it," it's sports. Sports are weird, man. Sports are weird. There's unexplainable stuff that happens in sports, and there's definitely psychological effects of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was talking with a player that brought this up. When you get asked about something enough, sometimes it can get in your head that. If you are going to the Bronx, if you're the Twins, or if you're in the NFC Championship, if you're the Vikings, even if you didn't have any part of other ones, you're going to get asked about the history of it and, and everything else. And you know that the Vikings have not been to the Super Bowl in a really long time. And sure. the four times that they went, they came up well short. You know that. And when you start getting asked about it so many times, it's like if you're a Vikings kicker and you're always getting asked about the history of Vikings kickers. And even though you know you've got nothing to do with it, if you can't block that out, I could see how that could get inside your head a little bit. Uh, now, with the NFC Championship game, you and I were leading the charge along with Mike Zimmer. The three of us were in lockstep with Case Keenum's luck will run out someday, and it did. But that's not the cursed part of it. The cursed part of it, to me, is the defense. Because they were so dominant. They played the Los Angeles Rams, who had the number one offense in the NFL, and they gave up seven points. And even the week before, Drew Brees had done amazing things in the second half of that game. But the reason that Brees had to come back was because the number one defense played so incredibly well in the first half of that game. And I don't even think the Saints scored in the first half. Wasn't it 17-0? The defense started to collapse in in the second half. There's no question about it. Yes. They did. They were great in the first half. The Vikings credited Drew Brees for that, and I think he deserved it. He had to make unbelievable throws. His throw to Alvin Kamara in the end zone over Eric Kendricks is one of the best throws I've ever seen in person. So we Mm -hmm. went, okay, this is number one defense. It's Nick Foles. They scored 15 points the week before. Nick Foles had not been good in the regular season, had a 79 quarterback rating. To go there and have them put up 38 and have this guy just go Joe Montana on you Mm was so improbable and baffling. It's more improbable than the 41 donut. That was shocking that a team with Randy Moss could get shut out. But to have the number one defense with Mike Zimmer, one of the great defensive minds of the last decade, calling the plays was so stunning that I put it in that same category also in part because... They scored first. They're up 7 nothing, And you and I were thinking, okay, I mean, this isn't over, but wow. Look I'm at never the, thinking it's over. Look at, look at the way that they just rolled down the field. Like, this could be a Super Bowl here at home. Yep. That's another part of it, too. That, to me, it's all about, when it comes to the curse stuff, is how improbable and ironic was it? The, the irony is they could have been playing at home. For the Super Bowl, when you add that element, you're like, okay. Chris. And if they're at home, they they might lose, but not like that. Yeah. Not like that. Yep. Yep. The other thing, though, and Matthew, this is why I never dismiss the potential that, that a guy like Mahomes could come back in 2019 and struggle a bit. Because you know what the Saints started to show a blueprint for and Philadelphia jumped on and through the first four regular season games of last season, teams exploited this leaks in Zimmer's defense. Mm-hmm. And I don't know exactly yeah. what they were, but but in this league, I keep saying this, everybody has nothing but time. They have nothing yep. but time to sit there and watch film. And and fans are like, well, yeah, but I mean, that's what they do. No, I'm talking about that's all they do. And, and Sean Payton, who's an offensive genius, found something, 
and started to exploit it, and Philadelphia walked right through that door, and we saw it through the first four regular season games of 2018. Teams exploited that until Mike himself had to adjust things on the fly. I know what it was. I, I know what got him with the Rams, and the 49ers had done it in week one. But actually, Sean McVay did it in 2016 to the Vikings when they played Washington. Do you remember the first drive from Washington, maybe our first quarter, where Washington put up like two touchdowns and drove up and down the field, and we were like, oh my gosh. So there's a touchdown to Vernon Davis where he starts on the right side of the formation. I remember this, yes. He leaks out, mm-hmm. and no one goes with him until Anthony Barr discovers it, and, he th- and Cousins throws a touchdown to him. So Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan, I think, both understand what the Vikings' rules are for their linebackers and safeties. And you might say, oh, it was a miscommunication or they should have done something different so for Barr to get lined up on Cooper Cup in Los Angeles. But if you know what the other defense's rules are for how they're playing zones, then sometimes you can exploit it. And a lot of times, Barr and Harrison Smith, these guys will make an adjustment. So, okay, you think that you're going to be able to do this, but they'll see it and they'll make a, a tweak on the fly and they'll know. But when it came to the Cooper Cup play and the ones that work in San Francisco, what was really interesting there is they had Kittle did this a few times and then Cup act as a blocker. So it appeared that they were going to block and then they not only just went out for a route, but went all the way across the formation. And so it confused the Vikings defense, I think, and then other teams tried this later in the season and they had already made that adjustment because they knew. But it was really fascinating that those teams had picked up on that little hack and took advantage of it. And the other thing that Philly did was they took advantage of um, how some of the pick routes could work out of bunch formations and things like that. And then got lucky on a few big throws. I mean, that was the other part of it, too. Was You remember the throw to Alshon Jeffrey. The Vikings came unglued. Yeah. But by then, it was just done. But the, And there were some things that just totally went their way. I mean, they collapsed the pocket around Nick Foles, and then he steps up and throws a 50-yard touchdown. But to your like point, though, I, I do believe that it's a mistake to say that, that no team is affected by its past. Yeah. And, I agree with that. Yep. And I do think that there are things you can do to combat that. But you're right. The closer the Twins get to the fall, if they're going to play the Yankees, they're going to be asked constantly oh, yes. a, a, about this. Now, and, and if you send Barrios, Odorizzi, and um, and uh, who would, would be the, the third a pitcher? Madison I'm drawing Bumble. a blank. And, no, no, no. I'm saying if he's not there. Oh, if he's so, not. Uh, Kyle Gibson. So it's like Gibson. If you do that, then guess what? It could be trouble. Now, Bumgarner's not going to give a damn, and he really won't care. Yeah. But if you ask... Uh, a a guy like Barrios enough. Hey, you know, you guys have had a lot of problems here. And then I think eventually that starts to seep in. That's not saying that he'll lose for sure, but to dismiss it as being, oh, he's not going to care. There's a fine line there. And I do think that it starts to get to guys mentally if they are asked again and again and again about failures in specific instances. The other part of it is when you're a good team and something goes weird, that it's super memorable. There are many times I could tell you about five and eleven Buffalo Bills teams or six and ten Buffalo Bills teams who had super strange things happen to them and missed field goals at the end of games or pass interferences or push offs like the Drew Pearson thing. But they were so irrelevant. It just doesn't matter that, that these things do happen to a lot of different teams, but the Vikings have this 
exceptional amount of success in the regular season and even in the first rounds of the playoffs to get them there many times, you're you're not on that stage unless it's happening many times. The Cleveland Browns aren't cursed because the Cleveland Browns, since they came back into the league, have just been awful. Right. That's not a curse. Yeah, that's not. A you curse, just yeah. stink. But the old Browns, you they might have yes. Well, but but you fumble in a key situation. Well, that happens a lot in the in the playoffs or in regular games. Somebody fumbles, but when you're those Browns teams that were so good for so long, one fumble to lose a game, yep. and that's that's cursed because you're on that national stage and we all remember it. Uh, let's take a quick break. When we return. I want to ask you, Judd, about this piece that Matt Bowen wrote for ESPN about play action. I've got a question off of that. When we come back, you are listening to Purple Daily. The running back offs it to the left of Luck is Mack. Andrews back to pass. He fires to Kyle on the left side. It is caught for the touchdown by Dontrell Inman. Inman beats Sharice right the backup corner on a pass to the front pylon. And Indianapolis has scored its third touchdown of this first half. And the Colts are stunning this crowd. Indianapolis 20, Houston nothing. All right, final segment of Purple Daily in a few minutes. It will be Mackie and Judd with Rami. Free baseball going on with twins there in the 10th. I was at this game for a while. (laughs) Couldn't stay for long, and now it just keeps going on. Uh, Credit to uh, Martin Perez for turning it around. It was looking a little ugly there at the beginning. I I just hope it doesn't repeat the uh, 17-inning affair we saw a couple weeks ago when I had to leave in the 14th against the uh, Red Sox. I also left that game. And someone was super mad at me on Twitter. So I went. I had to leave. I just went in the stands because it's a fun thing to do. Yeah. And it got to 10. Now, normally I have my two and a half hour rule, which Mm -hmm. means after two and a half hours, I leave no matter what. But in this one, I stretched it to three hours because it was a great baseball game and I was enjoying it. But it got to 10 innings. It's like, okay, well, the dog's at home and I got to go. And then I got home, watched baseball on TV for two more hours before that game was over. And I tweeted something like, man, I left the Twins game two and a half hours ago and now it's just ending. And a guy comes flying in on Twitter with, this is like, you're not a real fan. I'm like, well, I'm not a fan of anything, but also like, what's your problem, man? It's like a young Judd, game. Young Judd had a rule. He never left early regardless. Oh, okay. Old Judd. Can't do it. Yeah. Can't mean, do 17. Sorry. And Would like to. If I didn't have to work the next day, I would have, but I can't do 17. I would have been, as a kid at Rochester Red Wings baseball games, yep. telling my parents, we can't leave, we can't leave, That's we can't leave. That's what I used leave. to do. I, for sure, yep. I would have been that person. Same way. Let's stay to the end. Let's stay to the end. But, I mean, I got a, got a dog to take care of. And also, I mean, who knows how long this thing's going to go on. If I had stayed there, I would have been there in the middle of the night. So hopefully this doesn't happen uh this time. So Matt Bowen from ESPN is a wizard. He played in the NFL and he's just a brilliant explainer of the football, put it that way. Mm-hmm. He's got a piece at the middle of the NFL ESPN page about play action in which he gives his play action awards best overall, best at screens. This is a, I, I read it. I it's, love the offseason, by the way. It is fantastic. It is so it's so well, well done. done. He's so good. Um, and it's ESPN Insider, or so don't yell at me if, if you've got the paywall. Best deep ball, best in the red zone, best wide receivers, best tight ends. His breakdown is outrageously good. Now, Kirk Cousins does not make an appearance on this, though we know he's very good at play action. He's like the poor man's version of Jared Goff. And, uh, but, but here's my question for you, Judd. Play action and the numbers surrounding it has been the conversation of the offseason in the same way RPOs were last year. 
we didn't really see the RPO thing take off. Play action will always work in football. Yes. I got to think that coordinators are out there spending their whole lives this offseason trying to figure out how to slow down some of these play actions, and the Vikings are going all in on play actions. Okay, so just quickly, play action works. The, the fundamental of it's not new. It's, it's been around for yep. a long, long time. It works. But are, are we not, when, when we think about how this is going to be slowed down, are we not thinking broadly enough about how they're going to do it? Because I do think uh, third safety is going to be introduced a lot. I think linebackers are being phased out. I, I think there's a conversation that goes beyond the simple action of play action pass to where this league is going to go defensively as far as alignments and uses of players. Does that make sense? No, I, I definitely think that. That it's going to be that. And also, whether it's changing linebackers for who they are or just changing their assignments and how they handle play action. Sure. I asked Anthony Barr last year if he would ever just like not bite on the on the run. And he was like, no, I probably always, it'll always be that my assignment. Like, I think someday they're just going to say, you know what? Let them run. Let them get five yards instead of 15. So... Interesting. That's a great conversation. Make sure you check it out. We'll talk about it more as we go along. Purple Daily will be back tomorrow with Myron Metcalf. We will talk. Happy birthday, Matthew Keller. Thank you, Judd.